Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And uh, soak this one in because we're going to be taking a couple weeks off. So. That's right. Little little summer hiatus, uh, but that's all right. Uh, and, and you know, so let's start this off. Let me, let me confirm something with you, Ben. Did the Suns, the owner of the league's best record, lose Game 7 at home by 33 points, or did I dream that? No, that that is a fact. That is it did happened. happen? Okay. Okay, cool. Uh, cool. They were also I, I might ask again with, as we go just to make sure it's still true. They were also tied with Luka Doncic at 27, yeah. except the rest yeah. of the Mavs had also scored. Yes. Was was the 33-point margin like the lowest margin it was for almost the entire second half? Because that I, I remember that, too. Yeah. There was... Uh, uh, there was... A fine handed down by the league today for the Mavericks because so many people left the bench to celebrate. I saw, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I think I think Mark Cuban will gladly uh, pay that fine and with a smile on his face because uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that was a uh, that was a virtuoso performance by the Mavs and a really really bad performance by the Suns that that I I, I don't know. I mean, I think it uh, it invites questions. Like that can't be. I mean, I know Monty Williams, who I like. I, I think Monty Williams is a pretty good guy, and uh, you know, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't dislike him, but he, you know, oh, we just had our worst performance of the year. Like, there's, there's more to it than that. You don't. I mean, you have a bad performance, but being down by forty plus points most of the second half is a head scratcher. Well, and I think that uh, a big thing that happened that's part of the discussion and an important part of the discussion is. They awakened the next tier of Luca. Like it seems that way. They, yeah, you know, there was a a healthy amount of bear poking, especially by yes. Devin Booker. Yes, uh, in the and first five games, and yep. yeah. you know, like like Luca yelled, it, it's easy to talk when you're winning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. Uh... This, this, you know, has, has got my emotions, you know, in a weird spot because I am not a Mavs fan. I mean, you know, the, being a Spurs fan through the 2000s and 2010s, and there was a lot of, of battles with the Mavs in the playoffs, and some went well and some didn't go so well for the Spurs. And so I, I can't say I'm a Dallas fan, but boy, oh boy, I, you know, I really hate the Suns. And so, you know, I didn't become a Dallas fan, but I... I was swayed to their side for a couple of weeks and we'll stay that way probably since I don't like Golden State either. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Doncha kid, uh, look, he, he's, he's supposed to be a superstar and he's, he's progressing just like one progresses. Like he, you know, he's gotten better every year. feels like, uh, this year kind of started a little rough for him. He, he was a little overweight. He, got a lot of teas early for, you know, complaining and it seemed like there was some adversity and he, to his credit, he, you know, he righted the ship and he stopped complaining all the time and he stopped getting teed up all the time. And, and he's, you know, he's rounding into form as a true superstar now. Yeah. And, and I think the other piece of this, which is important is not only year to year, but you saw a game to game improvement. I, I, at one point they, you know, the media narrative of this series was, well, they are just isolating and destroying Luca. Right. And they are, right. uh, he's outclassed. This is why, you know, 
Booker and CP3 are so great. Right. And Luca is just not on that level. And then he just wherever he wanted, whatever he wanted. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, credit to a guy who has taken a lot of criticism and some of it, probably a lot of it deserved as a coach, but Jason Kidd, like they, they found something defensively in that series, you know, after game two, because the first two games, it felt like they had no answers defensively. It felt like, you know, yeah, Luca could score 40 plus 30 plus in every game, but they couldn't get stops and, and they'd lose, you know, they'd probably be out five. That's, that's how it felt to me after game two. And, and they made adjustments and, and really started to attack Chris Paul on defense, which I think, you know, was, it was a factor. They, and they basically, you know, kind of went, kind of went Bill Belichick, which is, you know, we're, we're not going to let Devin Booker go off for big games. If somebody else does okay. And nobody else did. Yeah. If, look, here's here's what I'll say. If Chris Paul is not hurt in May, tell me. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Like, yeah. the way you know, he you plays, know. the, the, being 37 years old, look, I got, I'm 36, I hurt myself playing softball last night. Uh, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I mean, hey. I, I get it. I told you uh, a couple months ago, I went over and played basketball with a, uh, you know, a then seven-year-old, now eight-year-old, and I, you know, I strained my calf and it hurt for days, uh, you know, chasing a rebound. So, yeah, I get it. Now, mm-hmm. he's in better shape than you and I, or at least me. No, I he's in better shape than us. us, but it's a, but, but, but still, the thing is, like, yeah, of yeah. course he's hurt. It's a physically exactly. taxing sport, <laughs> you it, know? Exactly, yeah, and, and he's injury prone. He's been injury prone his entire career, and, you know, by that point of the season, most guys are banged up, and... Yeah, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to hear it. Like, I mean, the whole, you know, oh, he walked out with a limp, like, it's tough luck, man. Like, that's that's the sport, um, you know, you're, you're supposed to be at your best uh, in May and June, and he has often not been, and uh, he's escaped criticism, I think, you know, as much as some guy. We talked about James Harden last week. He's a favorite target of criticism. Russell Westbrook, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Chris Paul has kind of flown under that radar more so but patrick beverly is a one-man machine determined to not let him fly under that radar anymore apparently mm-hmm. which right. you know patrick <laughs> beverly not my favorite player but you know enemy of my enemy type of deal yeah i did like the um the people who were like you know something everyone can agree on you you can either hate Chris Paul or hate Patrick Beverly and and, and his rant gave you both. You can... right right for sure for sure yeah. I mean again I'm not a I'm not a fan of his. He's a you know he's a loud mouth. He's a you know he's he's all the. I mean he's perfectly suited for sports media uh, because you know he he takes extreme points and and just says them loud and over and over again to the point where it's like yeah that guy must know what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, that said you know. I, I would say that Chris Paul, you know, I thought this after game four. They lost game four. And he had like five points. And and I remember thinking, like, Chris Paul is right in that, like, perfect place for a star player in terms of attention because when he's good, everybody rushes to talk, oh, my God, the point God. Oh, he's just amazing. But when he's bad, well, oftentimes just escapes notice. He, he, he doesn't get the LeBron level where it's like, oh, you didn't have 30 points tonight. Uh, you suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
it's uh it, it's interesting because we talk about like well he's so smart with the rip throughs and the fouls and it's sure. true he is but sure you know he took some he took some dumb fouls uh, yes yes you know and, and and frankly like you know Booker's the the I think at this stage, the more important player for the team, but they, yeah. you know, if you're going to roster build and you have a guy like Chris Paul, who, you know, is injury prone. I heard this as an off season target, but it makes a lot of sense is go get someone like Ricky Rubio, someone who you plug in and yeah. they, yeah. they can shoulder the load for, you know, 20 games a year. And yeah. Yeah. Know. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, it does make some sense. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, yeah, he's a great player. He's a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about that. I'm not, you know, saying, uh, like, I'm not going Patrick Beverly and, oh, he stinks or whatever. No, he doesn't stink. But uh, he, you know, he's, if you're going to give him all the praise for, oh, he goes to this team and he makes him better and blah, 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 which, you know, deservedly so. He's done that most of his career. He also has to take the heat for his team's underachieving in the playoffs, I think. I mean, what, mm-hmm. five times he's he's been a 2-0 series lead and lost that series? Yeah. Well, that's, it's always, there's always a reason. There's all, you know, there's always a, and it's usually that he's hurt. Right, uh-huh. right. And others have been to, you know, I mean, like the, you know, it was Blake Griffin or it was Doc Rivers or, you know, whatever. But, I'm like, yeah, I mean, you know, like, eventually it's not always somebody else's fault. And this was a this was very notable because, you know, they they were the best team in the league by a wide margin, record-wise. Um, you know, you get game seven at home, that's supposed, to, that's supposed to be when it pays off. And it wasn't even competitive. And, and that's the thing. I mean, like, a, a loss would have been one thing. A totally non-competitive performance in Game Seven, uh, you know, where he and Booker, you know, neither one made a basket until halfway through the third quarter, and at that point they were down by forty plus. Mm-hmm. Is pretty notable. Well, and, our, you, and our guy DeAndre Ayton just disappeared as well. Well, that's Stop internal. Playing. That's internal. Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's a that's a notable little subplot of this team as well. Yeah, one I've heard, you know, chatter about. They, they chose not to give him the big contract, and it's right. like, well, are you going to go get Rudy Gobert is available? You know? Yeah, you yeah. I don't know. Gobert? I don't know. I mean, you know, like, it, now, Aiden's a restricted free agent, if I if I understood mm-hmm. correct. So they have the ability to match an offer, um, and maybe that's the game they're playing. But it, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah. I mean, apparently they're going to – at this point, you think they're going to have to at least let him go get that contract. And, and I think will. so, and then decide if they want to match it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they if they wanted to pay him whatever, they could have done so last year, and they did not do that. And, and you know, now I, who knows how much, you know, sometimes there's situations like this and all is forgiven. But, you know, boy, if, if indeed he, you know, didn't want to go back in the game or whatever it was that was, was you know, speculated on, you know, you wonder what the residual effect of that is. Mm-hmm. So, long story short, it delighted me. Uh, I, you know, my hatred for the Suns is just like a notch or two below my hatred for the Cardinals in this city. So, I was extremely pleased at the events of Sunday night. Yeah, I get that. Uh, 
you know, and on the flip side, the the Celtics beat the Bucks, and the, yeah. they, thank goodness that the Suns got blown out so badly because the the Bucks did not keep it competitive. Yeah, it was a <laughs> yeah. surprise. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a tight game in the first half, and then yeah, the, the Celtics just kind of hit them with that run at the start of the third quarter, and and then they never really got back in the game. I kept expecting the Bucks to make a run, and didn't happen. And uh, yeah, that was. Uh, surprising yeah yeah i mean um because it was such a competitive series i mean the first six games all felt like you know very hotly contested uh you know most of them were close down to the end and that one certainly was not yeah it was like we had a good first quarter as the as a team for the buck yeah and then you know it's like Giannis almost had a double double in the first and yeah then it you know for the rest of the game, I don't know if he had a double-double. Yeah, yeah, he's really missed some easy shots at the basket. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I was watching that and, you know, a couple of you know, what looked like layups that, that, you know, didn't fall for him. And, yeah, it just wasn't wasn't his best night. I mean, he had a great series, obviously. You know, can't, can't you know, critique him too much. But uh, they made him work. You know, that's that's the thing. I mean, that's, that's what the Celtics, when they're whole, obviously they weren't whole last night. But, you know, they're such a good defensive team because – like they have basically anybody on the floor can guard anybody on the floor. Yeah. I, I mean, they, you know, Horford guarded him and Marcus smart guarded him and Brown guarded, you know, like he was seeing all kinds of different matchups. Well, that game, that game six that Horford had. Yeah. Know, it was, <laughs> that was something else in that fourth. It quarter. was, I, it I, was, you know, he, he found the juvenation machine. He did. He <laughs> did. Yeah. That he's a, he's a guy who, you know, like at this stage of his career, it feels like, you know, like he's got to be in the right fit because what was that a year or two ago when he was with the Sixers mm-hmm. and he was just awful. Like yeah. it just didn't fit. I, I remember they got him and I thought, man, that's a great pickup. And it just, it was a terrible fit. Um, and now that he's back with the Celtics, it's like, okay, he's, he's back in his happy place. And, and they know he, how to use him. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he can still contribute if you, if you use him in just the right way and, and they know how apparently. Mm-hmm. I did appreciate, I saw on, um, I think ESPN's the one who captured it, but uh, it, it was his wife, I think, who tweeted like, this was the, <laughs> this was the moment. Where, she's like, I've seen that face before where. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah when there, he got taunted. Yeah. And he yeah. just started nodding. Yes. Like, okay. Yeah. That's, if yeah. that's what we're going to do. Yeah. He's in a, you know, a guy you think about, like, you know, very, very long career now. I mean, you know, like one of those that makes me realize how old I am to think that, you know, he was a starter on those Florida teams that won 15 and 16 years ago, back-to-back national titles. And, you know, still still a very solid player. He certainly outlasted his, his you know, teammates there. I don't think I don't think Corey Brewer's still in the league, is he? If he is, I haven't heard about him. I don't believe so. And I know Noah hasn't, had, you know, Noah bounced around the last couple of years, like with short-term deals and stuff. But, you know, mm-hmm. certainly he, he peaked early. Orford just, just keeps going, it feels like. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so very interesting. And, and, you know, so now you get the Warriors rekindling the dynasty. Yeah. Potentially against the Mavs. Yeah, the, I mean, that's the one, that's the one thing that I hate about this is that I sort of rooted for the Warriors because I thought they could beat the Suns. Turns out I didn't need the Warriors to beat the Suns. And now I feel like the Warriors are going to win the title. 
I don't want that, but that's how it feels. Well, you got the Heat and the Celtics on the other side, and playoff Jimmy, playoff Jimmy Buckets looking really good. Yeah, he had a great game last night. No doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm curious that series. Obviously, they were down two guys. You know, Celtics were last night. Smart, I think, is supposed to come back for game two. That's the hope, at least. And, um, you know, I think that's a long series. Uh, I feel like that's a, you know, six or seven games. And, and you know, we'll see which way the ball bounces. Um, I feel like the Warriors have a decided advantage over, over Dallas, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I thought Phoenix did too, honestly. Yeah. And, and you know, maybe Dallas has more than I expected. Yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, let's pivot real quick to the lottery, which, you know, for the first time in a long time, Orlando Magic, number one pick. Yeah, yeah, I know. It, it, uh, that was another one that made me feel old when that happened because I thought, okay, they're going over the you know the three previous times. I watched all three of those lotteries. I remember I remember when they won back-to-back years, when they got Shaq, and then the next year they, they won it again. Like, oh, my God, how'd that happen? And mm-hmm. I remember when they won and they got Dwight Howard. Like, wow, I've been, I've been around this block a few times, I guess. They have a good track record of drafting future MVPs from the number one spot. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, you know, they drafted Shaq, who's a Hall of Famer. They drafted Dwight Howard, who's probably a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. And they drafted Chris Webber, who didn't he just get in finally? Yeah. I mean, it took him a few years, to, you know. So, yeah, I mean, hey, if, if, uh, if they draft a Hall of Famer, now one could argue that at least two of those three you know, had their best years. Obviously, Chris Webber, he never actually played for the Magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Shaq, you know, certainly became the great Shaq away from Orlando. But still, I, I think they'd take that uh, result for, for whoever they take this time around. So, you know, be excited for Chet Holmgren. Whoever it is, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it, that's the one thing. And, and, you know, I know you didn't, you weren't a big NBA fan as a kid like I was. So it may feel different to you, but like, the draft lottery and the draft itself used to feel like big time stuff for me when in the nineties, like that was, that was huge. And I watched it last night, but because it feels like, you know, it's such a, such a long time between drafting these guys and them becoming stars. Uh, it just doesn't feel as, as weighty anymore. Yeah. Well, cause it, oftentimes they're drafting guys who maybe you saw play in the tournament Right, or, or maybe they're from overseas and you've never seen play, or or now the you know the G League route, which mm-hmm. which is fine. I don't have a problem with that, but it, but you've still never you know, seen like, them play. You know, yeah, you don't know them. I mean, like wasn't it Jalen Green that went to the Rockets? What number yeah. two or three overall last year? Like, I don't know anything about him. I mean, I hear he's good, but mm-hmm. I've never actually seen him play a, a game. So yeah, so I mean, I hear. I hear you on, on it. It does feel differently. It's just different. I mean, like Chet Holmgren had some hype, mm-hmm. uh, you know, heard about him in high school and obviously went to Gonzaga. They were number one most of the year. And so I, you know, a little bit about him, but like Jabari Smith, this kid from Auburn, I, you know, I heard about him during the season Heard him, you know, but I can honestly say I didn't, I didn't watch a full Auburn game all season, even in the tournament. So I don't know much about him. He may go number one overall. Like I, I couldn't tell you what he does well. I know he's good, but I don't know if he's a good shooter, good rebounder, good ball handler. I, I don't know much about him. He went to Auburn. 
he was there one year and they won a lot of games and and went out early in the tournament. Yeah. It's uh it's different, but it is. Hey, it is. It's just the, it's... exciting for the Magic. Oh yeah, I mean hey, and and you know there's good players and and that's the thing, you know, three years from now, we'll look back and we'll say, you know, wow, that guy was, you know, that's when they got this guy. And there'll be good players that come from this draft. But it, you know, like back again when I was a kid, sound like an old man. But, you know, when the when the Spurs won the lottery to get Tim Duncan, you thought, wow, that's going to make them really good next year. When the Sixers won and got Allen Iverson, like that's going to make them really good next year. They're getting a star player. And now it doesn't feel that way at all. Feels like yeah. you know, well, that, that guy might be really good for them, and they maybe will be good in four years. Yeah, but it's like if you look at last year's draft, it's you know, Cade Cunningham was the number one pick, and yeah, you know, didn't, and the Pistons sucked. Yeah, didn't really, yeah. didn't really change the uh, trajectory of the Pistons last Not yet. season. Not yet. Maybe will eventually. I don't know, but. I mean, that's a great example. Last night, watching the lottery, I had to look up who the number one pick was last year. I couldn't remember. I, I, I know now because I looked it up. Uh, you know, if you'd asked me before you said it out loud, I could have told you. But I mean, the I only reason remember. I know is because my fantasy basketball league has a rookie draft, and I had the number one pick, so I took him because <laughs> he was there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I recognized it when I read it. It wasn't like I thought, oh, who is Kate? I mean, yeah, I, I remember the name, and I remember playing for Oklahoma State. You know, uh, but it was like, uh, oh, yeah, uh, you know, because and and, you know, I know two years ago the draft was was, you know, thrown off and it was weird and all that, you know, but like Anthony Edwards went number one and he looks like he's really good. Mm-hmm. But again, it's it's two full years and now you feel like, well, OK, I can't wait to see Anthony Edwards next year. Mm-hmm. But that used to be how it was when they got drafted. The, of course, the difference is, you know, mm-hmm. in the old days, you were drafting a, most of the time a, a junior or senior. Yeah, a guy who so they were more ready. Um, I since we're on the topic of college, the the big announcement in the Pac-12 today. We are, for purposes of the conference title game for football, doing away with divisions. North and south yeah. doesn't matter. It's just best yeah. win percentage. Which I yeah, know, I guess no more divisions. Really, like I mean, I, I the way I understand it is like the schedule staying the same this year. So we're playing everybody in what used to be the South and, uh, you know, but I don't even think they're going to keep standings by division. What's the point? There will be no South and North champion anymore. There's no reason to do it. To have divisions? Yeah. Because I agree. You know, if if that's the direction we're going, then fine. And look, I I think that um, the history bears it out that, you know, as often as they're the top two teams being from the North and the South, the top mm-hmm. two teams by percentage were in the North. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they hit us with the numbers. Didn't they say like five of the 11 years so yeah. far of the title game that the matchup would have been different if yeah. it had been the top two teams. Yeah. For those people wondering, ASU's one trip would have been the same. Would exact have outcome. We would have been the number one seed no matter yeah. what. Yes. We had the best record and, in the and conference And would have gotten year. Stanford either way. So yes, yes, wouldn't have been any different. We still would have got beat by a by a better Stanford team, but nonetheless, would have been the number one seed. I mean, the interesting thing is to me is more longer term, which is how do they how do they change the schedule rotation? You know, what will you have like fixed opponents? Will it be you know you have three fixed opponents that you play every year? 
and then you know six that you rotate. I don't. I mean, well, I haven't done the math to see what about, makes the most sense or anything. But I'm curious stopped, about that. I guess we've stopped caring about travel, as evidenced True. by the way we've created the divisions uh, or, or the conferences True. and their alignment. Right. So if right. we don't care anymore for football, then only fixed opponent should be your rival. You should always play the rival the last week of the year. Yeah. Or your last conference game of the year in the event of schools that have non-conference. Right. Right. You know, obligations. USC, Notre Dame and the like. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I I mean, yeah, I would think you have the natural rival. Obviously, Colorado, Utah really are rivals. But, you know, we we forced that. We we boxed them into the fact that they're rivals. The others do have legitimate long term rivalries. So. I would think so. I, I don't know. It'll be, I mean, I know there's been talk of the ACC doing like a, I think they, you know, a three, five, five, where there's three fixed opponents every year. And then you play the, you know, five in one year, the other five the next year, something mm-hmm. like that. So, I, I mean, that's a different, you know, they have 14 teams. Pac-12 has, has 12 naturally. Um, and, and so uh, don't, don't I don't know how the numbers work, with but the big 10. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, that, that, yeah, who knows? Um, but yeah, it'll be, uh, that's the fascinating thing for me. And they, you know, they said basically they're going to, you know, evaluate that. It's like, okay, well, does this mean, you know, like we might see Oregon here more often or Washington here more often, or, you know, like I'm okay with that as an ASU fan. I don't, you know, I like seeing USC and UCLA once every year. That is, you know, and that may go away. That said, I don't need to see Colorado every other year necessarily. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to shed any tears if we, you know, lose our rotation with Colorado, for example. Yeah. I, I'm i curious how they ultimately shake out on this, but I think it, I'm, I think it's for the best to go away because it seems like that's how everyone is going except for I the SEC. So. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it feels like by, probably by 2024, maybe maybe by 23, that the five major conferences, well, the Big 12 already doesn't, but that the other four won't have divisions anymore. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm curious with the new alliance, this does make it easier, better uh, to do the cross-scheduling and to drop down to eight again. Eight. Yeah. You yeah, know. you're right. To, you know, everyone else eight conference eight, games so... and, and mandate a, a you know one of your non conference games is with a, a Big Ten or ACC team, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's intriguing. And then it, you know, again, I don't know the math, but I don't know that it works. Can you can you mandate that when the Big Ten and the ACC have more schools? How do how do you do that? I mean, because you'd have to have all three on board with that idea. And I don't know that the math works out to, you know, when you have 14, 14, and 12. Okay, you could do 12, 12, and 12, but what happens to those extra two Big Ten and ACC teams? They play each other, maybe? Yeah, I think that, I don't know. I think you have to do that. I don't know. I, again, I'd, I'd have to I'd have to sit down and actually do the math on paper, and I, I haven't done so, nor do I feel like it right now. But well, uh, And you know how it winds up is they'll just put the best – two of each of them against each other. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you'll, you'll wind up with Ohio state, Miami, you know, Clemson, Michigan, Michigan. Yeah. Something then, like that. Yeah. And then everybody yeah, else, I mean, I, you, you know, know, gets be interesting, you know, 
we'll we'll be playing at NC State or something. <laughs> we might, we might, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. You know, it's uh, it's one of. I mean, we've talked a lot about a lot of things that are changing in college sports, and I guess this is just another. You know, we've we've grown accustomed over the last decade to you know win the South and, and, you know, and then the other conferences, I mean, the SEC's had it for 30 years now, you know, East and West. And, um, and that seems to be disappearing. So, okay. You know, uh, it'll be interesting to see, uh, how it all shakes out and, you know, what this, what this means. I don't, I don't know that it changes how I think this season's going to go in the PAC 12. I, I still think Utah's the best team in the conference, and I probably think Oregon's the second best team, which would give us a north-south old result. Um, but who knows? Maybe USC or you know Washington mm-hmm. State or Oregon State or somebody like that, you know, factors in more than they would have. Well, and all of a sudden, you find yourself having to watch and care a lot more about those other everybody. Schools, you know, yeah, what, for sure. What, who, for sure. Who's the miss for Oregon State? Because if right. Oregon State have good misses that they right. can sneak into one of those two spots. That is true. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah, so uh, you know, I I like it overall. Um, it's it's I'm a little surprised they did it this fast uh, because you already scheduled based on the two divisions, so it would have would have been easy to just say like you know, well, okay, 2023, we're gonna you know we're gonna redo our schedule and we're gonna do away with divisions. But, you know, credit to a conference that's been slow to react. They're reacting quick on this. Uh, they proposed the change, and they're jumping right into the change. So good for them, I guess. Yeah. And, and look, th- we've talked about this, the Kliavkov. Yeah. You know, you're in the grace period. If there are things that you think are going to make the conference better, do it now. Because, yeah. you know everyone's going to be on board for, hey, the other guy did it the other way, and we didn't like that guy, so this way is probably better. For sure, for sure, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, I don't know if it will, but theoretically I think that helps your, on paper, I should say, it helps your chances for a playoff spot if you can say, you know, our 10-2 and two team beat another 10-2 and two team or 11-1 and one beat 10-2 and two or something like that rather than our 11-1 and one team beat a, an 8-4 and four team. Yeah, that doesn't wow anybody. Yeah, yeah. four teams finish seven and five. Yeah, you know. which has happened. I mean, you know, the the Pac-12 has had that a number of times where, you know, one division has been notable most of the time lately. It's been the South has been the weaker division, and mm-hmm. and the South rep has limped in. Now it wouldn't have, like you said the year the year we made it that wouldn't have been the case, but there have been some years where the South rep was, you know, seven wins, eight wins. And like, well, that, that does not help the conference overall to have that. Now it's happened in the sec too. As recently as a few years ago, you know, Florida won the sec East, I think at eight and four. Mm -hmm. Um, But the sec, it doesn't matter too. like, it it still feels like a big deal if Florida's eight, four. Yeah. Because it's like, wow, they really gutted their way through a tough. Right. Right. It just doesn't. I mean, you're not. The comparison is not an equal comparison because people see Florida and they think, "Oh, well, Florida's great." Yeah. Even if they're not, or Georgia, same thing. You know, or, uh, you know. So, yeah. I mean, the Pac-12 doesn't have that name recognition outside of USC, and that's quite honestly been damaged by the last decade. So, yeah, if you can put the two best records and and have a conference title game with a couple of ten plus win teams, that. I think can only be viewed as a good thing. 
Yeah, look, here's what you want. You want USC and Oregon to to both be good and Utah to be good. And then yeah. you're going to get – it's going to come down to the wire where they're all going to play each other once. You'd like it to go round robin. Uh-huh. And then, you know, from from there – you can have a really good championship game. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that helps for selling your TV package, which is coming up. Obviously, that you know that's a big thing on the on the horizon, um, and it and it helps for getting your team in the playoff conversation. I mean, you know, the the biggest thing I think that they need to do, I would say as well in this next deal, is get off the Friday night of championship week mm-hmm. because people are not paying attention to. to college football on that friday night they would if it was the sec title game because it doesn't matter but the other con like you know put yourself on saturday even if you're up against the big 12 game or the acc game on saturday night who cares you're you're still on when people are thinking college football yeah that friday night slot is is death conference usa (laughs) it is yeah i mean because you know it's first of all that's a time of year where there's still a lot of high school football going on playoffs so you know People are out watching high school games a lot of times. And for college football perspective, you know, the next day is the day that everybody else gets their closing argument. So if you are on the bubble of making the playoff and you win, well, then the next day you're giving the ACC, the Big 12, the SEC, and the Big 10 their champions closing argument. And I mean, we saw it in the first year of the playoff. When Ohio State was, was dead and buried, they weren't going to make it. They played that Saturday night. They won, you know, 59 to nothing or whatever. They got in. Ended up winning the whole thing. Yeah. So put yourself on Saturday night. Go up against the ACC. Who cares? Yeah. It, there's there's only going to be, what, three games on max that night? So be one of the three. Exactly. People will find you and watch. People will yeah. flip during commercials. Yeah. I mean, most college football Saturdays, there's, you know, dozens of games on at night. On championship week, there's, you know, 11 games. So, okay, be on Saturday. Go up, you know, be on Saturday night late, maybe even. But, you know, put yourself in the in the Pac-12  7 o'clock Pacific dark. window. Yeah, take the Pac-12 after dark game. Yeah, yeah. You know, let the, let the Big Ten and the ACC go off at 5 Pacific. You go off at 7. You're the, you're the last game. You're everybody's lasting game memory before the playoff selection show mm-hmm. i don't know who knows but i do think they should get off the friday night because i just think you just get forgotten on there agreed so we'll see we'll see but yeah thought it was an interesting change one that i expected just was a little surprised by the timing more than anything yeah but like i said i, I i'm glad that we're making moves we're for sure doing- for sure, yeah. We're, yeah. We're, look, football is the straw that stirs the drink. So, you, you, good. Let's well, clearly what we were doing wasn't working. Let's put ourselves in the best position for the next TV deal. To, yes. To be okay. Yes. Yeah, because I look. I don't think we'll catch the Big Ten. I don't think we'll catch the SEC. But no. USC or I'm sorry, USC. CBS is going to want to put somebody on Saturday afternoons. Maybe that's sure. USC football. Maybe that's yeah. Oregon football. And and maybe that'd be a great fit. If we could take, I agree. I would take 
the junior version of what everyone else gets and the old SEC deal. Give me the old SEC deal. Yeah, yeah, and then put I the, agree. And, and then agree. give them yeah. one Paramount Plus game a week. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or NBC. I mean, I know there's been talk of NBC wanting something to pair with Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe you, you know, you get at NBC. I mean, every now and again, Notre Dame has a night game. But most of the time, NBC's Notre Dame games are at, are at 1230 Pacific. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you pair a doubleheader with them. And your game of the week is on NBC at, at 4.30 Pacific after Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And, and give pull the WWE Network and give Peacock Pac-12 yeah. Network. Put Agreed. Pac-12 Network on that because I can get that. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I, hey, I mean, uh, I don't know if they'll listen to us, but it all makes sense to me. Yeah. And look, it works for WWE and they're a publicly traded company. So it does. You know. I, uh, yeah. I mean, that's. That's one thing, and I don't know all the business that goes into this stuff. I, I, I truly don't, I'm going to admit. you know. But like, I've never understood why, if you don't want to partner up with DirecTV or whatever because they're, you know, they're not giving you what you want, make it a, a you know, what do they call it, direct-to-consumer? Yeah. You know, a, a streaming service. service you could just purchase from the Pac-12. Yeah, well, and the thing is, like, baseball has all these regional sports networks, so the local blackout, which I believe is going to go away. Because I think yeah. that too many, too many influential voices don't like it. But Agreed. but baseball yeah. at least has a reason. The Pac-12 just says, "Hey, rest of the country, you can't watch." I know, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I mean it, it. It's a tremendous. I mean, we've talked about it before, but it's such a miscalculation. It's almost like you know the the old the model for the Pac-12 network has been you know it's we're going to be in such demand. That we're going to make it difficult for people to get us, but they're going to they're going to go get it anyway. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not. I mean, that might have worked for the SEC and the Big Ten, maybe, because those have such national followings. Big Ten, especially, you know, with so many people from Big Ten states that move to warm weather states, but they still want to keep up with their school or whatever. You know, that might have worked. But the Pac-12, at its best days, 15, 20 years ago, when USC was riding high and Oregon was on the upswing and, and the basketball was better, it wouldn't have worked then. People would have said, eh, I don't care. You know, I'll, I'll watch highlights on SportsCenter as it was back then. Mm-hmm. And now the Pac-12 is far from those best days. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I just, I don't know. It, it's a model that has confused me since, you know, for years now that we've, we've basically held, and when I say we, not you and me, that the Pac-12 has basically held themselves out like, you know, we want you to, to have to work to find us. And you will work to find us. Like, no, people will not. They just yeah. won't. Well, and it's and it's also a – it's for me, it has been – and you know this as well as anybody. Yeah. The It got to the point where – I was fighting to keep it and going. I, I switched right. cable providers at one point because it got dropped from one and added to the other. No, I know. And then, I know. And then when it got dropped from, I think it was on UVerse, and it got dropped from right. UVerse as part of the DirecTV fight, I was like, well, I, I'm just going to get YouTube TV. I, I and, give up. I, and yeah. I don't, you know, yeah. it's like, well, you could get, you know, Sling or Fubo or whatever. That That's right. who we're on. It's like, well, YouTube TV has all these other channels. Right. And, and right. these ones don't. They only have Pac-12, and it's not worth it for me to buy two. No, exactly. And, and you know, that's 
I mean, I've told you that's my calculus with DirecTV. Like I made that, it was been a little over eight years now that I got DirecTV and I, you know, like, well, I get Sunday ticket, which I love watching the NFL games. Um, it gives me, I mean, it, back at that time it didn't exist, but I get, I get SEC network, big 10 network, and now ACC network. So I get three of the other three of the four conferences. I get all the ESPNs. I get, you know, I get everything I want except Pac-12 and, Honestly, you know, I'm not a big enough Pac-12 sports watcher as much as I love ASU to change what I'm going to do just based on that. I'm not going to do it. Well, hold on. I, I just think, like, isn't that statement exactly the reason why this was a terrible idea? Because if you're not going to do it and I'm not going to do it, I think so. who's yeah, going to do it? Yeah, because, because we are, you know, I mean, we are pretty loyal fans of a Pac-12 school. I would, I, I would put us up there in terms of our loyalty and our attention paid to a Pac-12 athletic program, and you know, and, and and so I would say, yeah, if if neither one of us have said, okay, above all else, we got to make sure we got Pac-12 so we can watch everything ASU. How many people are? I don't, I don't think the answer is very many, and this is why it's been a failure. Yeah, and, and it has been an abject failure. It has, it has, you know, so yeah, I mean, all of this is to say, hopefully this news today is a, is a step, step one of many into, you know, a new way of doing things, a new way of getting your product to consumers, uh, that makes it a a better product, an easier to find product. And, you know, hopefully gets the conference back to where it felt like about 15 years ago, because that feels like a long time ago now. Yeah. Um, I think that does it for all the things on my agenda. There was one other thing I wanted to, to check. Go. Did the Suns lose game seven by 33 points at home? Indeed they did. They did? Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Okay. We'll, uh, other than that, no, I don't have anything else. All right. Well, we'll be back in two weeks, and we'll, <laughs> we'll triple confirm that. But Yes. Uh, I may ask again the next time we're on, just just once again to make sure I didn't dream it. But until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.